Welcome to the Eclectic Readers Podcast, where every book we love deserves an award. I'm Meredith. I'm Susan. I'm Tara. How are you two? Uh, someone who had a good week can go first, or a good month. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Well, okay, I, I, I can go first. Careful. I mean, I can't, I, I mean, I've barely been home this month, so... I mean, I'm in Italy right now, so how difficult can it really be, right? Um, I'm in Bologna, which is beautiful. I've never been here before. Um, I spent last week at, in a coastal count, town called Marina Marit- uh, no, Milano Maritima. That's like the, my Italian friends are going to yell at me. Uh, Milano Maritima uh, for a conference. So I'm here over the weekend before I head over to Amsterdam for another conference. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it's beautiful. I spent all day yesterday on this food and wine tour, which, you know, hard life. I know. Terrible. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds fantastic. (laughs) Um, But I'm here for another, I don't know, week and a half. So I'll be a total about three weeks away from home on this one. So I'll be looking forward to getting back uh, when I'm, you know, packing up. Yeah. And this, that's only like one leg. I feel like you've been gone so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I was in London for two weeks, right? And then uh, here, and then I'm home. Well, then we have that wet. But then there's a wedding. Yep. Um, but then after the wedding, I'm only home for a week. And then after that, I'm in Australia again. So it's a lot. It's my busy season. It's okay. I'm yeah, just glad but... I have time to record with you beautiful people. Yeah, and, you know, I'm glad. Everything's going on with you. Uh, so. Speaking of Meredith, how are you doing? Um, I'm good. Um, I will be having a little bit of traveling in October, but nothing international. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we have a wedding that actually all three of us are going to be at. Yep, I'm so excited. Oh God, yeah. you got both of you are going to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that. I'm so excited. <laughs> so we get to see each other soon. Yay! Okay, we have to take a picture this time, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we took a picture at the last wedding. Yeah. Yes, we did. We did. You're right. Yep. I don't remember that wedding very well. Apology. <laughs> a little bit to drink. Just a bit. Yeah. So that'll be fun. And then um, I'm kind of sort of following Susan back to Colorado inadvertently. <laughs> oh, really? Tell us yeah. more. Yeah. We're, we're taking some extra time off to go visit some other friends in the Denver area. So it'll be my first time going to Colorado. So I'm excited for that. You're going to love it. So pretty here. Colorado's great. Mm -hmm. I love Colorado. It's beautiful. And what a time to go. The aspen trees are going to be gorgeous. Well, it might be a little on the late side, but the leaves will still be on the trees. So, yeah. So that should be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So what about you, Susan? So it's been not the best, (laughs) huh? Oh, man. So it's, I mean, it's all kids stuff, right? Like, um, you know, having when you have kids that are two years apart or a little over two years, because Anna's almost three and Emily's five, like it is like the worst time to be a parent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because Anna is going through her terrible twos, three major stage, and then Emily is like trying to assert her independence and be five. And, it, you know, it's like, oh my God, I'm going to rip my hair out. But. <laughs> It's okay. It'll pass. They're cute. I love them. <laughs> I'm so yeah, sorry. Good thing they're it's, cute, though, right? Yeah, it's it's super hard. 
Like it's because it's like those are two major like emotional stages that the changes happen and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been quite quite the time. Um, but uh, Emily's school is doing their book fair this coming week. <laughs> oh, fun! Yay! So I'm like, oh, book fair. <laughs> I remember book fairs. I loved book fairs. Right? Like, Me too. I loved book fairs. Yup. And we saw the scholastic truck drive by um, <gasps> and part, and like be next to us at the stoplight. I'm like, Emily, look, there's books in that truck. It's all books. And then she's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> mind blown yeah right <laughs> you're doing a good job see right there parenting Thanks. 101 great job <laughs> magic book trucks she's yeah. gonna write like a short story about that when she's like eight yeah be like i remember this time watch trust <laughs> yeah so i'm excited for that because like she she loves books and we have a ton of books, and I actually ordered a ton of books um, from a book party I hosted. So I'm, I'm set for the year for gifts and things. <laughs> well, that's a good feeling to have, being yeah. prepared. <laughs> yeah, so I'm thinking, like, okay, it can't get any worse. Like, now, now we can, like, look towards, like, the horizon and the rising sun. <laughs> <laughs> um, and books make it all better, right? It does. I also love that like books have topics for everything. So I might just go to the bookstore and be like, okay, here's, here's more books about emotions and being emotional and using your words. <laughs> yeah. Can I give that book to my husband? <laughs> Ooh. No, 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 no. It's a joke. It's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> well, I mean, Sorry. there's this one that's it. like a whole series. So like the book I have from that series is called Calm Down Time. So if you're upset, no. you have, it's like coping mechanisms of like how to calm yourself when you feel frustrated and like angry. Um, well, that's good. I mean, that's yeah. helpful. <laughs> yeah. I love that there's books for everything, like literally everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yes, it will be getting better. Book fair. Like I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get through it soon. Yes. I believe in you. It's just a couple more months and then it yep. will all even out again. Yeah, it's it's a total roller coaster up and down. So we just gotta like sit back and just go up the ramp for the good stuff. I don't have to go down the roller coaster part. <laughs> just enjoy the ride. Yeah, because you can't get off. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I told I you know I tell my husband like you can't take him back. It's way too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Uh, but hopefully some things that'll be putting you in a good mood. Um, we have some really, really exciting news. Really exciting. Okay. So we're, uh, we're so excited to announce that we're going to be interviewing author Victoria slash VE Schwab for a special episode. Woo! So exciting. I cannot, I cannot believe this happened. It's Uh, just like, you know? Exactly. I'm (laughs) still in still in shock uh, most definitely um and, and I'm so, so jealous of you and Jeanette who get to do it by the way but like I don't know we can call me as soon as it's over so we can just like squee at each other for all eternity <laughs> so yeah if if you have listened to this podcast for 
any length of time <laughs> probably heard us express our love for her work just a little bit, right? Uh, so she's on tour for her newest book, Vengeful, which is the sequel to Vicious. And she's been gracious enough to um, take some time out of her busy schedule to talk with Jeanette and me. So we're, we're really excited for that interview. Um, we're going to be releasing it as a special Halloween treat for all you lovely listeners on October 31st. And we're planning to keep it spoiler free. So really anyone will be able to listen and you should definitely check it out. Uh, yeah, it's still not even real yet. Um, hopefully I can keep my cool when we're talking with her. You got uh, this, Meredith. You got this. Cool <laughs> you got it. Yep. Yeah. Um, and another cool thing is we have set up a Twitter account for the podcast. Uh, about time, right? Yay. <laughs> um, so if you follow us on Litzy, you don't worry. We'll still have that account. But we just figured not everyone has a Litzy account. So this might be a good way to interact with more of our listeners. So please give us a follow at Eclectic Read Pod. And we should be able to link that in the show notes, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, cool. Yep. So please give us a follow over there so we can keep having bookish discussions all through the month. And it's also so helpful when you leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Like, it's, it's, it helps the algorithm, helps people find us. It's really great when you do that. And it also makes us feel good, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so we have a new review to share from Bean 7 entitled Truly Eclectic, which said, Interesting conversation that has exposed me to a variety of books that I likely wouldn't have known about. Thanks so much for listening and reviewing the podcast, Allie Bean 07. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah. Yay. And I love the title because it reminds me so much of that, of the gem opening song, you know, truly, truly, truly eclectic. <laughs> oh, yeah. That should be I a theme like, you know, song. Ever wanted to, I was going to say, if we ever wanted to do a theme song, <laughs> there's your parody right there. Yep. I'm there you go. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. And I love because, you know, that's kind of why we started the book club to begin with is to kind of broaden our horizons. And I feel like we do an okay job doing that, you know, staying eclectic. Yeah. Pretty so, solid job. I yeah. Think. So, yay. Well, speaking of our, our reads and being eclectic, <laughs> what are we all reading? So I, um, for some reason, I'm rereading Vicious by V.E. Schwab. I'm not mm, sure for why. some reason. Oh, God. <laughs> We have no clue why. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I actually just finished it and I think I liked it even better through this reread than I did the first time. It is so good. Oh, like, I, just, I don't know. I, I blame it a little bit on that. I read it the first time after my knee surgery. And I think I just still wasn't really in a, like the right place to be reading. That's fair. Um, so this time, yeah. So this time I was like, holy crap, I don't remember it being this awesome. Like, it was good, but it is really awesome. So I'm now hoping to start Vengeful today, <laughs> once we get off the podcast. Um, uh, hopefully I can finish it before the interview. Um, but I've heard great things about it, and I'm excited to see where she takes the story. Uh, so I'm going to start that. But I recently finished listening to an audiobook called Skios by Michael Frain on audiobook. And it was pretty weird, if I'm being honest. Um, it's supposed to be a farce, like with like mistaken identities and like all this like craziness. So it was funny, but honestly, my head was just hurting from the ridiculousness of it. 
because it's like, how is this stuff happening in modern times with cell phones and all, you know, like they were playing some of it off like, oh, well, people didn't have cell service or they forgot their adapter when they went to this Greek island. And so then they couldn't call each other and all this, you know, craziness ensues. Uh, I know. I mean, this is a problem, I think. This is why I think authors don't love modern time. We're also connected. How do you get through, you know, oh, and then I I am this person and I texted this person and then I messaged this person and then I, so they concoct all these things. I I, I find that, or they just ignore the fact that phones exist. And that happens in TV all the time too. (laughs) Yeah. It happens in books. You know, it's getting to a point where it's a a little unbelievable. I'm not even reading this book, but I agree. It's like, you know, like Yeah, so I think it would make, a funny like a funny movie you know like a slapstick kind of movie um and apparently uh this author is usually a playwright so i can kind of see where Mm. that was taking shape in the novel but the reason Mm. i read it is the shakespeare theater company has a book club where they read a book that is somehow related to the play that is being put on during that time so this uh book is what they're pairing with the comedy of errors Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. 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 So um, I'm still not sure if I'm going to make it to the meeting, but it was a super short audiobook. Uh, I was like, oh, I'll just go ahead and read it just in case. You know, I got to be prepared, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I had so much fun at the last one of those, too. So I hope yeah. you can make it. I hope so. Um, but we're just starting the new season. So there'll be six opportunities for me to read books along with them and go. So okay. hopefully I can make it to them. And then I'm starting my reread of The Night Circus via audiobook uh, because it's just that time of year and it, it gets me in the fall mood. It's so uh, and good. Jim Dale's narration. It's so good, right? Yep. And the narration by Jim Dale is just lovely. Yep. So that just gives me warm fuzzies. <laughs> How about you, Tara? You know, Have you been uh, getting uh, reading in? So, yeah, I mean, other than this book, which clearly, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think I'm going to jump on and read The Night Circus. And like you said that, like, <laughs> it's been a couple years for me. I would love to reread that book. I love mm-hmm. that book. Um, speaking of rereads, though, I have been rereading for, it's not like I don't have a thousand other books to read, but for some <laughs> reason, I don't know. Um, it was also just on my Audible account. And I was like, oh, I need something like I can go to sleep to. But now, of course, I'm halfway through the second book but i've i've started rereading uh the kushiel trilogy oh wow nice. yeah by jacqueline carey mm-hmm. yeah it just you know i can fall asleep if i fall asleep and i'm not really missing anything and like her voice is so pleasant and i forgot how much i loved the intric like just how detailed everything everything is and i i just really love that world so i'm rereading that i'm also reading my Brilliant Friend by Elena Ferrante, Ooh, I which, think, takes place oh, yeah. in, which takes yeah. place in Naples, uh, which I'm going to be at in a week. So mm. um, our friend, my, my real life friend, Michelle Applebaum, was like, you have to read this book. <laughs> We're going to Naples. You have to read this book. I'm like, okay. Okay, fine. I'll read, I'll read this book, but I'm loving it. It's I've heard so great good. things about it. Me too. It's yeah. been on my it's TV really for a few famous. years now. So, Yeah. Highly recommend it so far. I'll let you know when it ends. If it ends as good as it is, I'm like about 60% through. If, if I feel as good about it um, when it's over. But right now I'm just really enjoying the ride. Nice. Because that's a series as well, isn't it? 
Yeah, I believe I so. I don't know the answer yeah, to there's that. A, there's, a few, <laughs> yeah. there's a few books in that series. I'd say it's probably at least a trilogy. I can't remember mm-hmm. if there's more than three or not. Yeah. Well, here we go again then. Because <laughs> pretty sure... Or, this is over. I'm gonna read yeah. <laughs> maybe I think maybe it is. A, I'm trying to remember now because yeah, Michelle's definitely pushing it on all of us to read. <laughs> um, but I think the first book is when they're younger, and then the second book is like college aged, and then the third book's when they're like full blown adults or something. I I think oh, that it's something okay. like that. I could be wrong since I haven't read them. Right. It but, definitely starts yeah. out with them being adults, but like towards the end of their life, adults. But it doesn't. It's not concentrated there. Mm-hmm. So I could see that happening. Um, hmm. Michelle, if you're listening to this and you sneakily got me to read a series, how dare you, madam? Like, I don't have enough on my list. Um, but I am really liking it. At least you're liking it, right? Like, Yeah. So, well... Those all sound like really great books. And I love that you guys are rereading books. I love it. <laughs> We all know how rarely I reread, so I felt it was probably, you know, a a point to bring up. Um, Well, for me, we are starting on Return of the King in our Lord of the Rings reread. Nice. Yeah, so we are are almost there. It's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Almost there. Only another giant book to get there. Yeah. But I mean, so I'm looking because I had the omnibus, the one that has like all three books in one book, because mm-hmm. it's actually the way it's supposed to be. Anyways, um, it's nice looking at the last third because like a chunk of it's the appendices. Right. So it's actually not. It's yeah. Right. Like, well, I'm not going to read that part, you know, so it's like, OK, that's not <laughs> so bad. It's doable. <laughs> um, we're supposed to finish in December, so we're getting there. We're trucking along. Nice. Yeah, and um, I actually had like five books I was reading at one time, so I'm actually trying to finish up reading those books. Um, I normally don't like to read that many books at once, but it happens sometimes, you know, with library holds coming in and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yep. (laughs) I hear you. You have all been that person. Yep. So it's like, you know, it's too many books right now. I'm not picking up another book. Until I finish these. So I think I have Attachments and Order of the Phoenix left. So. Well, those are great books. Ooh, yep. Yep. Attachments. That is, mm-hmm. my, that is my last Rainbow Rowell book to read, and I will not read it. I'm, like, holding it in. Oh, <laughs> you don't want to holding end. Holding it in wait. <laughs> yeah, I won't do it. I, like, won't do it until Aww. she puts out another book. Yeah, I know. I'd have to look it up. I can't remember when her graphic novel is coming out. Mm. It might be soonish. Yeah. Um, and then did you see that she's coming out with a sequel to Carry On? I did. Oh, my God. I can't believe we haven't talked about that on this podcast yet, but oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so excited. I, yeah, I'm really <laughs> excited. I don't think there's probably any publication date with it, but right. she put out that, like, really awesome uh, illustration. And it's going to be called, yeah, what, Wayward Son? Oh, yes, Wayward Son, which, I've seen that. So I'm so confused about whether this has become a Supernatural parody instead of a Harry Potter parody, but I, I don't care. <laughs> I get that carry on my Wayward Son, and, like, that's the reason. But also Supernatural fandom is, like, one and the same with that song. That song is, like, their anthem. They literally have flags. It's, like, a big deal into the, in that fandom. Um, yeah. And But this is supposed to be a Harry Potter parody. So I, I don't care. Maybe they get into a classic 
some sort of car and start solving mysteries together. I don't care what happens in this <laughs> book, but I'm here for it. I right. Am well, here and for maybe it. maybe it is taking a turn because they're pro- they're done with school, right? By the end of done the first school. book, one of them doesn't even have powers anymore. Right. So God. yeah, maybe this one is going to be like uh, like you said, a supernatural kind of fanfic ish thing. But I'm yeah. here for it either way, even though I've never seen Supernatural. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited about just more of this wordplay magic system that's going on. I really loved that magic system. Um, thought it was super interesting. Yeah, so, it was. It was really cool. Yeah. Hmm. Well, always books to look forward to, right, ladies? <laughs> <laughs> that, ain't that the truth? <laughs> My husband literally just bought me two new bookshelves, and he's like, this is it for a while. I'm like, is it, though? <laughs> is it? <laughs> go, you go ahead and think that, honey. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it helps you sleep at night. <laughs> um, so let's go on a little um, path here to kind of work our way into our, our main read, because it's a pretty serious book, I would say. It's a heavy book. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so this book, The Roundhouse, it won the National Book Award, um, which is a pretty prestigious award to win, um, for a book. And overall, there are 10, uh, major awards for books. So there, and you know, I've, I'm sure you've seen like on Let's See and Twitter and Instagram, there are people who love reading award books or award-nominated books. Um, they talk about it. Uh, what's the, the long list for? Yeah. Yep. Like the, oh, yeah. Through the long list mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the nominees. Which just really, sorry. <laughs> I clearly have an opinion. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a very big deal for uh, people to read because they want to know, you know, why these books got nominated and why this book won and things like that. Um, does it matter to you if a book you're choosing to read as an award winner or not, do you place a lot of weight of picking a book, being like, oh, this book won um, the Booker Prize. I'm going to read this. Or um, do you just don't just not care? Particularly the Booker Prize, no. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was about to say, Tara will have an opinion about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to me, it's this way, you know? I think a majority of shows and books do not get awarded a majority of, I think what I think of as the best books and shows do not get awarded 10 years ago. If game of Thrones had come out, it would never have gone into single Emmy. Sure. Yep. Because genre, genre books, no matter how good, no matter what the subject matter, no matter, you know, it doesn't matter if it's just epic quality stuff does not get recognized the same way that a guy sitting alone in his house contemplating his life does. And I cannot (laughs) understand it. I just can't. Yeah, but there are... Um, what, and the a majority nebula... of awarded books fall mm-hmm. into that category. Majority, but you do have, like, the Nebula and the Hugo Awards. Right. Yep. And yes, yep. and those are great. Sorry, we someone someone said Booker. <laughs> and I just, I'm I sorry, that was me. <laughs> Booker Award Grant. Um, no, you're right. The um, There are awards that do a better job with it. Still not, I think, as good of a job as they could be doing. Mm-hmm. But um, I think some awards, I definitely give, I'm like, oh, this one, Nebula Award? Great. Let me at least read the description and, and see if this is of interest to me. Um, I think but, that's what it is, but, yeah. though, Tara. You kind of touched on it. 
like with these, because I don't know how old the Nebula or Hugo Awards are, but some of these older ones are like pretty old. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I, I mean, we had to create an award for, you know, sci-fi fantasy books, you know? Like, right. They, they couldn't just be like, taking all these books and being choosing Game of Thrones over the other ones of the guy sitting alone in his, in, in his house, you know, like <laughs> there had to be separate awards, you know? So, right. Which I just don't think that's fair. I think that's putting, I think that that we're clearly eclectic readers here. So we read a lot of different genres and that's good. And clearly part of our mission is to help other people read different genres, but I feel like these type of awards inhibit that. Like, like don't inhibit that now. What am I trying to say? Yes. That, that they, 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 they sort of force people into it, their little buckets, right? Like, oh, I always read the National Book Award books, and I read the long list. Okay, well, I always read this stuff, and I read that stuff. Very few people will, like, go through and, you know, pick and choose out of those buckets, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I try to read pretty widely, but let's be honest, my go-to books are like young adult and fantasy, which don't really (laughs) get, (laughs) honestly, like the YA community needs to start their own. Do they have any kind of awards? I feel like they should. I mean, there. I guess there are some like children's literary awards. Um, No, there's a, uh, what is it called? Um... Because I know, like, the hate Again, it's has not won great a lot of things. It's not great at awarding genre fiction. Yeah. And there's definitely an award. Um, and they do pick pretty good books, but they do not do a good job at awarding genre fiction, even mm-hmm. within the YA scope. Right. Um, I'm trying to remember what it's called. It will come back. It will come to me. Yeah. Um, so I but would there's, say... But there's the Goodread. There's the Goodread Awards. Yeah. Which... That's true. You know, but that's populist, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Pop, yeah. Yep. Right. But at the same time, it is cool when you go on to Goodreads and you see like it has the little icon that this won that award. So you're like, yeah. well, that was actually readers who decided it. So it's probably pretty good. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like in general, when books are up for awards, they get a lot of buzz and you just hear about them more. So that usually kind of piques my interest and I'll add it to my TBR. Oh, I'm going to read that one. And then like, it's never to be seen again, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it just sits on my Goodreads TBR. Um, but there are some that have won recently in the past few years that I do still want to read. I just, I need to make more time for them. Um, but I can say that I really did love The Underground Ra- Railroad by Colson Whitehead, which mm-hmm. um, definitely won some awards. But I can be like hipster about it and be like, well, I read it before it won the award. <laughs> that book got buzzed the second it, it the did. second people started reading um, advanced copies, yep. like real mm-hmm. talk. Like that, that book was on everyone's TBR before it was ever released. I was so impressed. Yeah. Um, well, you I know, just... when, when Oprah kind of backs your book and says it's good, it's, you know, that's the power of Oprah, right? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> uh, and then I thought it was really cool um, at the National Book Award in 2016 that March Volume 3, which was a graphic novel by uh, Congressman John Lewis mm-hmm. about his, um, his work in the civil rights movement, 
one. Yes. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. Like, you know, they're maybe they're slowly trying to get some more types of things in there. But yeah, I don't know if we'll ever see like true genre stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Although March was fantastic. Shout out to Congressman so. Lewis. Yeah. And he's coming out with a sequel. So um, yeah, I think it's it's like just kind of continuing yep. on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Run or something like that. Um, can't quite remember. Oh, okay. Like when he starts running for, I think so. I guess government stuff. I think so. Oh, that's cool. Like March Run. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to it. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as the two of you. Um, if it's like a more prestigious award like the Booker or the National Book, I tend to be wary because I end up not really liking them. <laughs> it happens, um, yeah. Yeah, it's the majority of them. So I, I tend, so every time I see an award-winning book like that's picked, I'm like, oh, I'm not sure I'm going to like this book. I'm not, I'm not very hopeful. Um, however, I have noticed that for children's book awards, like the Newbery, Mm-hmm. Um, award like I tend to really love those books um, I think they do a great job choosing the winner of those books and I was actually looking back on, on a website and it only goes back to like 2002 and I'm like man I'm old I haven't read any of these books <laughs> um, <laughs> well and maybe that's some of it is you find the award where the books that are being chosen speak to you mm-hmm. right Yep. Well, it's like, um, so the one thing, the one book that really comes to my mind is Island of the Blue Dolphins. I'm pretty sure that's a Newbery Award winning book. Love that book. Loved, love that book. I think I actually have it on my shelf right now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So like I I find myself liking the children's awards better than, yeah, than like the adult ones for general fiction and things like that. Um, which I find interesting. I mean, I think they're looking at different things. Yeah. The, I, I don't want to say that individual children's lives are not complicated because they are. And definitely based on where you are in your circumstance, you can have very different children's lives. But the emotional life of children, um, how children, at least in stable situations, how how children sort of you know, need to grow and the emotional pass it takes. And a little bit of that is somewhat universal. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think when you get a really good novel like that, it can, a children's novel, it can speak to that and, and can speak to a lot of various people. I think when you get to, and you're in adult life, I, I, I just think the adult, like the way we relate to each other as adults is very different than the way children relate to each other. Oh yeah, as definitely. Kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a lot more complicated biases, a lot more complicated feelings about things. Mm-hmm. And I think unfortunately, a majority of book awards judges mm. there there's not enough diversity in there. Right. Um, yeah. And, and I that's my biggest problem is they're picking books that speak to them, which great it speaks to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that, you know, it speaks to a majority of people. And I, I think that's why you're seeing a decline in that kind of reading. Mm-hmm. You know, there's all this, um, 
I'll, I'll do studies. I don't know. You know, millennials kill everything. We're the worst. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. But we, you know, we're not killing. We're, we're not killing reading. <sighs> we're 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 destroying reading with the amount of reading we are doing. <laughs> um, and they're like, oh my god, millennials are reading so much, but they're not reading what we want them to read. It's like, well, too bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's just, you know, sooner or later, things will all catch up, I think, maybe. Hopefully. But hopefully. Right, we um, but we'll see. It's been, a, it's been a heavy week for that in general, hasn't it, guys? Uh, yes. Yeah, definitely. That hasn't helped and my time. I, <laughs> right. Bad month. <laughs> yeah. So, you're saying? And now that I'm thinking about it, um, next month is my book pick. And it's actually has won an award. Nice. <laughs> has it really? That's great. <laughs> but I didn't pick it because of that. <laughs> you know, so we'll see. We'll have two award winning books back to back. That doesn't happen too often. I'm gonna have to oh, no. have to compare after we finish reading it. <laughs> um well so, Oh, go ahead. No, no, you okay. go ahead. Um and you know, we actually have read a handful of award-winning books on this podcast, um, mm-hmm. which is great. And they're like very different. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so here are a few. Uh, we read Gilead, A Sense of an Ending, 100 Years of Solitude, um, Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. Um, I don't, I know Gilead and Sense of an Ending, we kind of, there was a consensus of like, it was just meh, right? Am I misremembering? I was going to say bad, bad, good, great. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Bad, bad, good, great. Um, Yeah. Yeah. You know, Gilead, I think about Gilead a lot. I'll give it that. Yeah. Like it's never really left me. um, Even though I think it's just a boring read. Yeah. I mean, I just, Um, I just. Sense of amending is just (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys, I wasn't on that episode, but you literally named the episode meh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even want to like include more words. Like it's just meh. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And I mean, I, I think I had thrown a hundred years of solitude on there because I know it won probably some other, like maybe non-English prizes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if it won any of like the big ones, but um it definitely has influenced a lot of different things and it's, you know, very well loved. I, I could appreciate the writing, you know, it was beautiful, especially for it being a translation and it was still that beautiful. Um, so props to the translator. Mm -hmm. Um, did I like the actual plot? Uh, You know, (laughs) maybe, maybe not. It just gets very weird at times, right? But like there's, there's some moments that are just so vivid and descriptive that it mm-hmm. does really stick with you. I en- I enjoyed reading the book, even in sometimes I like had to turn the book, like had to shut the book down and like look at the cover and go, what are you trying to tell me right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I did enjoy the read itself. Yeah. And then I think we all loved Aristotle and Dante. Yes. Um, yeah, it, was, that was a really it good definitely one. got you in the feels. Yeah. But I also think it should win an award for like the longest title ever. <laughs> yeah. 
It it's is. So <laughs> Thank goodness the book is definitely worth a read. Makes up for it. Yes, that's <laughs> true. It's a beautiful cover. Yep. Except most of the cover is covered up by all of the awards stickers. <laughs> <laughs> all those silver badges. <laughs> I know. Oh, there <laughs> I mean, for someone who like bookstagrams and likes her book aesthetic, I'm like, can we not put those all over the front cover? Yeah. You know what I hate more than book award stickers? The, this is now a motion picture sticker. Uh, I, yeah. I, I don't care. With the movie I don't cover? Care if this is a TV show <laughs> or, or a movie. I want to read the freaking book. Yep. Give me the book. <laughs> Apparently we have some feelings. I was going to say, I think next time we'll talk about book stickers. <laughs> so um, we asked. Oh. oh okay. okay. Um. We asked our Litzy followers if uh, they were more likely to read a book if it's won by an award, and uh, there seems to be an agreement uh, with a lot of the people who responded. Um, here's a few. Wandering Lynn says, it depends on the award. Uh, Newberry and Hugo winners, yes. Man Booker Pulitzer, no. We can be friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kay says... An award may draw my attention to the book, but it'd have to sound like something I'd like before purchasing it. I wouldn't buy it only because of the award. So, I mean, that's fair. You're like, you're spending yeah, money. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and DG Rachel, I tend to have the opposite reaction to judges. So being a book award winner actually makes me hesitant. I tried reading the man Booker long list this year and wow, has it, has that been disappointing? <laughs> burn (laughs) maybe we should just do one big booker like show where we're like and this book was terrible terrible." (laughs) sorry sorry like oh you're right too negative too negative yeah we have enough negativity in the world so yes we need more positivity Now let's talk yeah. about this depressing oh, book. Man. I was going to say, I was going to say, so let me, <clears throat> our main read this, uh, this month is The Roundhouse by Louise Erdrich. Is that how you say her name? Erdrich? Erdrich? Yeah, I think um, so. I, I do want to give a really big warning mm-hmm. here um, that, that, you know, this, this deserves a um, trigger warning for rape, um, and sort of the fallout of sexual abuse um, and, and all that comes with it. It's a very heavy book. Um, so if you need to turn off the podcast, now would be a good time to do so. Yeah. Okay. Um, so The Roundhouse has won the National Book Award for Fiction. Um, it won the, it's by one of the most revered novelists of our time, um, who is a brilliant chronicler of Native, Native American life, Louise Edrick. Um, and she returns to talk to us about the roundhouse transporting readers to a reservation in North Dakota. It's an exquisitely told story about a boy on the cusp of manhood who seeks justice and understanding in the wake of a terrible crime that upends and forever transforms his family. So this book, we, I mean, sometimes this happens to us in this book club where we really read books at a very interesting time. Mm -hmm. Um, before I get sort of into the deeper things about what's happening this week and sort of how it relates to this book, 
let's go ahead and ask the question we always ask uh, before any discussion, which is, what is the one thing that stood out to the both of you? So there were, you know, I think there's a lot of things. The, the writing was really lovely, but it was also a little odd because the author does not use quotation marks. That's <laughs> a little odd. <laughs> I listened to it and yep. I had no idea Me that neither. Was until you pulled out. So yeah. strange. Yep. And at first I didn't notice, but I don't know, probably, I don't know, uh, 10, 20 pages in. I don't know. I don't know. It's just like reading it. I was like, wait. Why are the quotation marks? Like different people are talking, but <laughs> so I thought that was an interesting way of maybe conveying that he was looking back on this as an adult, like it wasn't happening in real time. Mm. Um, but uh, it was an interesting choice to make. I would get confused, or something was just wrong with <laughs> my uh, Kindle version. I don't know, but <laughs> I wish we could help you with that, but. <laughs> We listened to an old guy read the book. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> how was the, how was the narrator for the audio? He was really oh. good. Um, I don't. I mean, it was. It, you know, you don't know what you know what kind of person that they are or what they look like. Um, but I feel like uh, uh, he got the feel and emotion of what's going on with Joe. Um, I thought he did a really good job narrating. That's cool. I do kind of wish he had sounded younger. Mm. Well, yeah. It sounded it sounded more like it had happened to, like this could have been him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I, well we don't but actually know good. how old he yeah. is when, when he's telling the story. He's supposed to be, you know, definitely a full-blown adult. Mm-hmm. He's already a prosecutor yeah, and all of that. Yeah, I thought the same that thing as you, Tara. I was like, oh, I wish he was younger. Um, but then at some point in the book, he was like, so these are my memories. And, you know, I went on to law school and I'm like, oh, oh, he's looking back. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, but so it felt real. The book felt real, even with like the emotional ups and downs. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, I thought so. It was hard, um, but it was well done. Yeah. So uh, in this book, obviously, what the issue is, uh, what the problem is um, that uh, the main character is going through is that his mother in the very first chapter is horrifically raped. And it is a horrific scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, right now we're going through a situation uh, nationally where Brett Kavanaugh is being um, accused of sexual assault. And we've just had this week Dr. Ford's testimony and Brett Kavanaugh's and Judge Kavanaugh's testimony uh, to the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, So it was really difficult for me to be reading this and reading that and watching that happen, Um, especially as I was overseas at the time and I, I felt fairly powerless. So I really... You know, I really empathized with the character here. Uh, to me, this book wasn't so much who did it. I kind of know knew who who did it as much as would be, uh, will this person be accountable for it? Mm-hmm. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Depressingly and yet somewhat unsurprisingly, um, Lyndon Lark is not held accountable for his crimes in the roundhouse. 
Um, were you surprised by this? And why or why not? Well, I, unfortunately, I don't think I can say I'm surprised. Um, but it definitely, having it all happen at the roundhouse, which is supposed to kind of be their safe place yeah. for you know, their culture and their religion and everything, um, that was really hard to see. And then the whole fact that, oh, well, if it happened a few feet over here, it would be in this jurisdiction, or if it happened here, it would be in that. It just, talk about ridiculousness, right? Um, yeah. I mean, what, three police officers show up at the hospital? Mm-hmm. Right, like the FBI guy, because it might have to go into their jurisdiction, or the, I guess there's a reservation guy, and then who was, was it just like another local state yeah, sheriff? Yeah, I think. Yeah. And, I mean, she does say in, uh, let me scroll and find it, in the afterword, um, the author mentions that one in three Native women will be raped in her lifetime, and that figure is certainly higher as Native women often don't report rape. 86% of rapes and sexual assaults upon Native women are perpetrated by non-Native men, and few are prosecuted, which is just heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And there definitely is the stereotype that that, I'll go into it, but there is this weird stereotype that it's not by Native men, that like, you know, this is sort of this enclosed community and what happens there mm. happens there. And I, I think it's just so terrible. And and that I think this book is really important yep. um, because it sort of highlights that. Um, Susan, were you surprised that... Lyndon Lark was not found accountable. Uh, I, I'm I'm kind of agree. Like no, um, <laughs> is it that so depressing? It is guys? so depressing because <laughs> so depressing. I mean from the because from the get go, you could just see like nobody wanted to take responsibility for this or help her. You know what I mean? Like even at the mm-hmm. hospital, they were hostile towards Joe and trying to get answers. And then the policemen were like, oh, well, this falls in this jurisdiction. Well, we need to know where exactly she was so we know who to give this to. And it's like, no, someone someone got assaulted. It needs to be taken care of. You know what I mean? Like, you should all mm-hmm. be like, oh, hey, let's come together and figure this out. Not, oh, we need to find out where that line is. She was one foot over this line. Well, that's not my responsibility. Um, right instead of just actually helping this victim yeah right (laughs) yeah it's terrible um joe's father tries to explain to joe yeah sort of how that all works with this very strange casserole and cutlery related metaphor (laughs) (laughs) like a a single court decision or act of congress what did you think of that that was an interesting so, way. I'm sorry. You want to? No, go, you go ahead. <laughs> um, that was an interesting way to put it. Um, I thought that kind of gave like kind of a clear imagery to be like, yes, these things happened to keep it in place, but then it's taken away and it's just super fragile because of the way it was put together. You know, I thought it was a very good way to kind of explain um, the law part of everything. 
Yeah. I mean, I do have to wonder what he was saving the rotten casserole for. <laughs> just for that. Um, oh, just right. for that. He knew it was going to happen at some point. Um, what a but, weird thing to save. Uh, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, the imagery was definitely interesting. Um, and I also thought it was interesting to have his dad be a judge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't just some you know, just some random guy on the reservation whose wife was raped. It was someone who really knows the law and what that really means for seeking justice and helping his mom. So I think it was also nice because we got a little bit of a lesson, right? Um, Because I'd say most of us don't know a whole lot about reservations or how laws work there. But I thought it was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. So... Did you think that Joe and Kathy um, would go through their plan to get revenge on Lyndon? Well, I mean, you never know at that age. You have a lot of emotions, and rightfully so. I mean, watching the man who raped and would have burned your mother alive just yeah. get off and not have any consequences. I mean, that would be a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the fact that like he followed through, I, I was wondering once we got there to that, that scene and he was watching Lyndon on the golf course, he had the gun and everything, but I was like, is he, re- can he really do it? He wants to obviously, but can yeah. he do it? Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, I just love, I just love that Cappy like followed him. <laughs> oh, for days. Like looking, look, yeah, looking after him and watching his back. And it's like, oh my God, <laughs> that's like, you you know, you it's brotherhood, you know, like your, yeah. your best friend suffered this, you know, and wants revenge and you are, you know, you're going to help him, damn it. <laughs> like, um, and, and, just, and you know him yeah. well enough to know he's going to do it on his own right, even and try to keep you out of right. it and probably flood the whole thing and get put in jail. And so <laughs> yeah. like, well, if you're doing this, I'm doing it with yeah. you. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. And just Cappy in general, like, Ugh. yeah, oh, my goodness. Uh, we'll, we'll get there guys. <laughs> um, <clears throat> one of the many things that, uh, Louise Eldrick does really compelling here is illustrate sort of the immediate and the long-term effects of trauma. Mm. Um, Geraldine's recovery and survival was complex to say the least, as was the, the survival, the survival, but the recovery of each family member in her immediate circle, her workplace um, and her extended network of friends and family. What did you think of the depiction in general? I mean, it was probably very realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's some, something to that scale is going to affect more than just the person. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, and also, yeah, it was really heartbreaking when pretty near the beginning, like, She'd come back from the hospital. She was trying to kind of live a normal life, try to get through the daily motions. And then that one time when I guess she didn't hear 
Joe and his dad come in and Joe's dad went and, you know, like put his arms around her and she just like, just had a breakdown. Um, that was really tough. And then she kind of secluded herself for a few weeks up in the bedroom. And, and then when Joe once, you know, goes up and is trying to kind of guilt her about it. And she's like, you know, you need to let me deal with this the way I need to deal with it. Yeah. Um, and, and that was tough to see because you don't want, you don't want her to be too isolated. Right. Um, but you also need to give her some time to process it. I, I don't know. Well, you as the reader definitely want to do something. I felt that way. I felt like someone help her, someone do something, but the truth of trauma is that you can only help so much. Right. You know, everybody mm-hmm. has to go through their own experience. And the book walks that line, I felt, really, really well. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially when uh, they take the FBI agent up to her room about the file. Um, mm-hmm. Because with that, it's like, yes, the, the person in, you know, experiencing the trauma they do need to like do the work they, themselves, you know? Um, so you want to mm-hmm. give them the space and you want to give them the time, but at the same time you want to give like little nudges, you know, like, Hey, like, let's just make it like a little hard, you know? Um, <laughs> so, well, especially with the fact that she was not telling them about the file right. and yeah. that was a really important piece of information. Definitely. So like, it's a case that's like, okay, we need to push a little here because it's very important, yeah. you know? So um, it's a fine line, definitely. Um, that's why that's why we have counselors because they're experts at that. <laughs> um, and thank God for counselors, yeah. right? <laughs> um, so I, I, it, it was super hard, but it's like, I, I get it. I get you need the time and I get you need to just be alone Um but I really appreciated Joe's dad's just commitment um, and support helping her through it. Yeah. And, and then we see as the book goes on, what kind of toll it's taken on him. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, he has a heart attack in the, in the grocery store and, right. yeah. you know, and Joe talks about how he starts seeing like more gray hairs and, the lines are more pronounced on his parents' faces and it just completely changes their lives. Yeah. So, you know, we talked a lot about her. We talked a lot about Joe's dad, but what about Joe? How do you see his journey in dealing with how his life has just suddenly changed throughout the book? That has I mean, to talk about. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> you go ahead. <laughs> We're doing that a yeah. lot. <laughs> um, I mean, talk about the loss of innocence. Yep. Um, man, just to be on the cusp of starting to really grow up. I mean, he's 13, so he's not a kid, but he's not an adult. And then he gets thrown into this. And then, you know, helping his dad, looking through old cases and everything. I mean, he has to grow up really quickly. And he's getting a lot of information that he even says, looking back, "Ah, I probably shouldn't have been told all of this. Uh, But at the same time, how how do you keep, I I don't know. 
I, I don't know what the right thing was, but he definitely had to grow up much quicker than he should have yeah. needed to. I agree. There's a lot of amazing symbolism or moments in this book that sort of talk to the um, degrowth or destruction, the growth of adulthood or the destruction of innocence. Is there anyone that sticks out to you, either of you guys? Um, Should I get more than that? <laughs> so I'm thinking, is it Sonia who helps mm-hmm. him with the money? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I think that's a really good example. Um, because, you know, he finds the money, he goes to her because he doesn't want to go to his dad. Um and she helps him like hide the money, you know, and like put them into savings right. accounts and stuff. But then she goes He's around. Like, feels- I'm sorry. I was like, and he and he always thinks to himself. He's like, well, at very least, I can say, well, if I get in trouble, Sonia was the adult here, yeah. and I can always like rest assured about that fact. Right, right. <laughs> um, but then she goes around and like, you know, buys herself some diamond earrings and new clothes and it's like really i mean pretty much does the opposite of the advice she gave joe yes Um, right and so that's the thing do you think the way she then treats him later is she's like all right i'm taking off the kid gloves and i'm gonna pretty be pretty nasty to you um because you're just another man who just wants to take everything and blah blah blah. was that i don't know do you think that was right (laughs) yes Oh, my God, I have huge opinions of that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, please tell us. Yeah. I do. Um, So I think a lot of the story, and it's a question I had later, but we can get into it now. A lot of the story has to do with violence against women, both the overt kind, which is obvious and affects people and, um, like, what happened to his mom, and the inadvert kind. And everyone is constantly, especially in Sonia's case, objectifying her putting her down. She's constantly beat, constantly looked at, you know, constantly made into made into this object uh, by everyone, the grandfather, the father, the uncles, Joe. Um, And I think when he pretty much, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? He pretty much, you know, blackmails her into forcing her into a very uncomfortable position for making him for, for making him stay and watch her dance, which she just didn't want that relationship with him. You know, she says, you know, you're just like everyone else. And I think that's, if you look at the like micro transgressions about Sonia over and over and over again throughout the book, I think that's insanely justified. I mean, I understand why she did it. Mm-hmm. Um, she just kind of got to her breaking point. But at the same time, I don't know, I looked at it more because Joe still wasn't really sure. Like, I guess he had an inkling by then what was going to be happening. But he really just wanted to be a, a you know, he wanted to be a grown up. He wanted to be a part of whatever was happening here. But it, it, I mean, I guess you could call it blackmail. But to me, it felt more like a kid being like, I'm going to tell mom and dad if you don't let me do this thing. Yeah. And I don't well, know. And I think that's the point, though. It's, it's at that point where he's no longer a kid anymore. He can't pretend to be an adult in some situations and pretend to be a kid in another situation. And she's saying that 
you made me do this. I let you do this, but now it has real consequences. And this is how I feel about you because of it. Mm. And I, I think that's actually incredibly important. I you know, he's not really agree, you know. but you said like, and I mean, kind of going through that right now with Emily, like you can't like want to be treated like a grown up until you do these things. You know, you can't have it both ways. And I think at 13, you really struggle with that. Um, so it's, it's not entire, entirely his fault in that sense. Like he is saying like, Oh, I'm just going to tell my parents what you did. Like that is a very kid thing to do, but he also wants, he wants it both ways and he can't have it both ways. He definitely needs yeah. to learn that. I think she just was a little too harsh. Um, I, she could have, I mean, I, I, and I get it. Like, you know, emotions get in the way and like your experiences and all that. Um, but I think it could have been not explained, but handled a little differently. Um, it, because what she was doing is it felt more like, revenge and being vindictive and not really like teaching a lesson. Excuse me. Yeah. I mean, she was taking a lot of aggression out of him, mm-hmm. out on him that should have been directed at Whitey and other people. Yeah. Um, but I get why she did yep. it. Um, do you think it was right though, that she skipped town with most of the money? Sure. Why not? <laughs> what was he going to do with it? She could have taken the money to begin with. She left him 10 K. I don't know, right and wrong in that situation to me is really, really messy. It's not his money. No. It should never have gone into those bank accounts to begin with. Right. Um, you know, the, the right and wrong in that situation. She needed to leave. She needed to get out of an abusive situation that was abusive on multiple counts and, and, and allowed to happen with the elders of that, um, with the elders of the reservation. And she had a way out. And... She could have taken all of it. She had the ability to take all of it. She leaves him 10K. She takes 30. Um, you know, I think right and wrong, it's very, very murky there. For sure. Yep. And, and we're not getting her, you know, this isn't a story about her. Right. We're just getting right. it from Joe's limit, very, very limited perspective. Limited perspective and perspective of many years later. Right. Right. Um, which I also thought was interesting. I don't know if you were planning on talking about that or not, but how the, it kind of affects the story, knowing that this is him looking back on it. Um, but I had some thoughts. I don't know if you were going to talk about it or not. <laughs> Do you want to talk about it? Go ahead and talk about it. Um, I felt like, especially by the end, I, I think it helped me. I don't know what the right word is, but... It helped me get through the book more, knowing that, okay, well, he had a life after this. He got married. He got to become a prosecutor. Like, if it was happening in the real time, I think the ending would have just felt, like, so incredibly hopeless, you know? The ending is so sad. Yeah. Oh, my God. really terrible. Why? Um, And so I don't know if that's why she decided to tell the story that way, to to not have it be just right in the here and now, but to be like, I'm looking back on this as an adult. And, you know, cause he does mention a few times about like he met his wife. It was, her, it was Margaret that we meet during one of the, the reservation uh, ceremonies and Oh yeah. And when we got married and 
you know, I wore my dad's ties during, you know, my final weeks every time I was prosecuting people. And so, like, I don't know, I just felt like it gave it more hope knowing that he was able to move on and have a life. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I, I really feel like this is a capsulated moment in this person's life where innocence dies and it literally dies at the end and it's heartbreaking but every little bit of it you know but again I also think this is a book about yes there are 13 year old kids but they're 13 year old kids who kill people blackmail people and drink and drive for long periods like they're 13 year old kids who are doing things that have consequences um and it's about realizing that those consequences are real and not being a child anymore. And it's, uh, it's so sad. It is because when you're, when you're that age, you think you're invincible and, ah, uh, it was just heartbreaking with the, the car accident at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we knew something was happening because I think it was the beginning of the second chapter was, was when he was like, I had three friends, and but then my best friend, Cappy, you know, is a, a cross at this section of the road. And he's like, oh, and then he, he, keeps a, he keeps the rock, yeah. Yeah, so, it, I mean, you knew something was going to be happening, but <laughs> I didn't want it to. Aw. Yeah. Um, tribal sovereignty. That's an interesting conversation in this book, too. Not, but just let, let's walk back the emotional <laughs> stuff for a second. It's getting heavy. Um, early on, you know, we're really, we've talked about it already. They've addressed, they address like criminal cases, especially sexual assault, on the involved Native victims and non Native perpetrators and how that works. Um, you know, there's a lot of different quotes, but a lot of what we've already said is true. It's just really hard to get justice for these people, right? Hard to figure out who needs to take control, hard to figure out how to prove um, when something happens somewhere else, but the jurisdiction is somewhere else, what to do. And unfortunately, very little has changed since 1988, which is the setting here. Um, and just, did you learn anything new about tribal jurisdiction and tribal law and the limits. I know we've talked about, you know, learning about the uh, sort of the court cases that led up, but in general, just how it works on the reservations um, and what the options are for people who live there specifically. Okay. Um, I didn't want to cut you off, Susan, since I've been doing that. Um, so, I mean, yes, because I don't know anything about reservation law. Yep. Um, I thought it was quite interesting that they can't prosecute non-native people who do, you know, have like commit crimes on a reservation. Like that doesn't really make any sense. Right. Like a uh, government, like if I commit a crime here in Italy they can ask for me to come back and they can like literally arrest me in the U S and drag me back to Italy. Um, but they can't do that in reservations. Mm -hmm. I found that really strange. 
And I mean, honestly, like these, these rules and laws are so complicated. <laughs> it's like, why are you doing these nuanced things? You know, like it just, that didn't make sense. It's like, oh yeah, you know, depending on the person that we have to go over to here, but we can't do it when this person does it in this place. It's like you, you purposely made it confusing and, and, uh, oh crap. What is the word I'm thinking of? Um, complicated, I guess the best word I can think of right now, did it on purpose so that almost, you know, people can get away with almost anything on our reservation. And that is completely not fair. Yeah. I mean, it takes away their power. Yeah. And so do you think, so what do you think? None of us are lawmakers, right? Let's start there. None of us are lawyers. None of us have this expertise. But do you think that um, the tribe should have the ability, the sovereignty to run the courts themselves to bring people in? Do you think it should be a, there should be a joint effort made? Do you think it should all rest and go back to the United States? Who do you think should have that sovereignty to rule in these sorts of cases? I don't know. You're getting real deep here. Um, Sorry. It's, you know. Can we, can we talk about it's totally uh, Star opinion. Trek? <laughs> oh, sure. We can, we can talk about Star Trek. Well, so can I just say one thing? Is, I'm sorry. Yeah, Susan, go. So we, the United States, created reservations for the Native Americans because, you know, they felt bad for taking their land and is giving some of this land back. And it's like, you know what, then they should have some, they should have power over how they govern in that land. You know what I mean? I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, if you're making would, a distinction. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. If you said you are all like American citizens, this is all United States, then it's like, okay, that will go to the U.S. government. But they didn't. They parsed this land out for these people and they're not giving them any sort of say in how they run their, their land. So, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of inferred to it in the question, but, you know, I think they should be handled like separate governing states. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, if I committed a crime here and it was bad enough, the U.S. would ship me off. Right. If it, I, I think that the same exact respect should be held um, for the reservations. Yep. But, yeah. Like I said, we're not lawmakers, no. though. So <laughs> just just so on names. to next generation. Um, <laughs> On to the next generation. So I, I, I love the boys being boys, right? Yep. But when the kids are being kids, it's just, you know, it, it's one, it's a good break. From, oh, yeah. Know, otherwise, heaviness of this book on multiple levels. Um, but the kids love something I love, which is great, which is Star Trek The Next Generation. And there are just a ton of references. Um, each chapter of this book is named after a TNG episode, in fact, which I guess shows you um, how much, you know, this, it impacted, if we're talking about this guy looking back, how much it impacted his life in general. And I guess, you know, to a certain extent, we could probably uh, draw a line to Louise Eldrick as well. <laughs> uh, probably TNG is probably a big thing for her as well. Yeah, it must um, be. Yeah. <laughs> must be right otherwise god you did a lot of research <laughs> <laughs> like a lot uh what was your favorite reference 
So I grew up watching TNG with my dad, um, and I'd love to go back and do a rewatch. I know I wish Jeanette was on this episode because (laughs) she just finished a rewatch of TNG. And she was so excited when she saw that all of the chapter titles were um, episode names. Um, I don't know. I mean, they're really good names, right? Um, Lonely Among Us. uh, The Naked Now. Exactly. Like Skin of Evil. Like They're just really good titles. Um, And I'm sure we could, we could, I'm sure, you know, there was reasons that she chose those for those chapters. And I'm sure we could spend, we could spend a whole episode probably just digging into, (laughs) oh, well, what happened in this episode? And then how does that relate to the book? Mm -hmm. And, um, because we're not nerds or anything, right? (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Susan? Did you have a favorite reference Um... at all? So I've only watched A Next Generation once, and that was, uh, I don't know, a year ago now. Um, So I don't don't remember too much. I just loved that um, she used the show as a reference because, like, these boys, they're on a reservation. You know, they're just drinking beer and smoking. And it's like they found this one thing, like sci-fi, to be like, yes, this is what we're nerding out on. I just this made them special. Yeah, I, I loved I it, and like, and sometimes the way they coped or talked about it, like they would then reference next generation. You know, um, I knew there were some points. Oh, you know, they get our phasers ready or whatnot, and it's like, oh my gosh, you guys are cute. <laughs> yeah, it was. There was just a lot of little things mm-hmm. like that that were fun, and you definitely needed some lightheartedness to break up mm-hmm. the man, all of the seriousness going on. Yep. Um, yeah. I gotta wonder, so from their perspective, they're really getting into this. And, you know, you have the prime directive in the Star Trek series where, you know, you go and explore a new place and like, you don't get in, like you don't get involved with them. You, you know, you kind of just observe, I mean, man, if, if freaking Columbus and all these people had, you know, used the prime directive when they came <laughs> over here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I think the native Americans would be doing a whole lot better. Yeah. Definitely. A lot of TNG, too, more so than in any other Star Trek series I can think of, has to do with finding a new world. And if that world is space-faring, great, we can talk to them or we're observing them. And it has to do a lot with um, sort of watching or talking to or having an experience with indigenous people on different planets. So I think her choice of TNG versus any other track, mm-hmm. TOS or otherwise, I think is really, really smart because you could probably take a lot of those episodes and just be like, oh yeah, no, this directly relates to this or this directly relates to this. Um, Justice, I know was a title and Justice is one of those episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was just really smart in general for her to pick TNG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Okay, well, I know we're running out of time. There's a thousand more questions I could honestly ask. Um, but I will end it with this. Um, hey, this one won an award, but did you like it? <laughs> um, I did. I liked it. It was, like you said earlier on, um, when we started the discussion, it's very heavy. Um, but it was well written. It was well done. Um, so I think, and it's, it's super important, I think, this book. 
So, Mm -hmm. yep. I agree. Super important. I am glad that I've read it. Um, but obviously it's such a hard topic. I mean, you can't be like, I love, you know, I, I, I loved it for other types of reasons for what it taught me and, and how it made me feel. And, you know, um, and I, I think this is a, a time when you're like, I understand why this won an award. Yep. Uh, right. So, yeah. Yep. Th- this definitely fits the, I like this, even though it won an award yep. for me. <laughs> um, t- you've all said it super important. Super compelling, uh, great characters, great subject. Um, would definitely recommend this to somebody who is looking for uh, some perspective of this kind. Right. I agree. So our next book um, on the Eclectic Readers, as Meredith has pointed out, is her book. Meredith, do you want to announce it? Sure. It's The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemison. I'm so excited to read this trilogy. <laughs> I mean, we're only talking about... Oh my about God, this. it's a trilogy? Yes. Of I hate you. <laughs> I hate you so much. But all, right of them are out, all of them are out now. So oh. that helps. <laughs> <laughs> but the cover is just so pretty. <laughs> yeah, and um, it's been winning the Hugo Award, right? Not the Nebula. I think it's the Hugo that each one of these books has won the Hugo Award wow. in the past three years. That's amazing. So, uh-huh, uh-huh yeah. So. Okay, fine. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll be talking about that in November. Nice. Woot. And if you want to look at our show notes where we list all these books we've been listing and everything else, you can go to eclecticreaders.fireside.fm slash 53. And if you want to talk with us, um, now we have that uh, Twitter uh, handle, uh, eclecticreadpod, or you can reach out and follow us individually. So where can people find you, Susan? Uh, people can find me on Goodreads, Twitter, and let's see at Rudy Kaichou. That's R-U-R-I underscore K-A-I-C-H-O-U. Tara? And you can find me on Goodreads, Twitter, or let's see, all my name, Tara Newman, T-A-R-A-N-E-W-M-A-N. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, let's see, Goodreads, all at Mare the Book Gal. Uh, please subscribe. Bleh. Please subscribe to us in your favorite <laughs> podcatcher so you never miss an episode. Especially when we do special episodes like with V. Schwab coming up. <laughs> and as we mentioned earlier, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It's a huge help. And I think that does it for this episode. So let's shelve this until next month. Bye. 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 Bye.